Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. A Scottish football podcast that isn't obsessed with just two teams. Niche nonsense. Or surprisingly brilliant. You decide. The Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. The cult Scottish football podcast now adapted into a hit TV show. Search the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast on your chosen podcast player now. Welcome to the Man City Show. It's Nigel Rothman back in the chair. And Manchester City have won their battle against UEFA and have had their two-year ban from the Champions League overturned. The allegations, ladies and gentlemen, were false. In other news, we're still quite good at football since the last podcast. A 5-0 win against Newcastle on Wednesday and a 5-0 win against Brighton on Sunday. To discuss that and much more, I have three guests, all of whom have strong views about the ban and UEFA. And they are. Welcome to Joe Doherty, to Dave Hodgson, and to Nick Goldstone. Gents, welcome to one and all. Evening. Hi there. Great, great to be here. Yes. Thanks, Nigel. Let's get your reaction first from today's news. So, so, so your reaction, Dave, to what we've uh, heard this morning at 9.30, please. Dave Hodgson. Well, I feel vindicated. I mean, it was a case that always looked spurious. And in many different ways, I thought there were so many things that we would be able to raise to undermine UEFA's points. We had a very good legal team, but with that, we just always have this sort of nagging doubt. And of course, because it had so much effect on our planning going forward, I was always worried it wouldn't come through. But, you know, wonderful to see. It's a fairly emphatic, um, you know, rejection of a lot of the terms. I'm feeling very, very happy about everything that's happened this morning. Nick, uh, you you as happy as Dave? I'm absolutely delighted. I'm over the moon. Uh, but I'm also uh, pretty angry, um, having seen the UEFA debacle taken apart now by uh, the CAS ruling. But it really doesn't uh, do justice to the utter incompetence and arrogance of UEFA 
in the way that they pursued this disgraceful vendetta against against our club. And frankly, it doesn't, it, you know, it's not the real issue that it's against our club. It could have been against, I guess, any other club. Um, but, you know, they, they ignored one of the most basic principles of their own rules um, that uh, the vast majority of the issues that they were considering were time-barred. Um, but that didn't seem to matter to them. Their own supposedly independent adjudicatory panel ignored some of the most basic parts of their own rules to pursue this case. And it was only by uh, taking them to a properly independent and expert arbitration uh, panel that this was able to be cleared up to disgrace so, Joe, we've got Dave who's delighted and, and Nick who's angry. Where, where do your emotions sit then, Joe? Anywhere in the middle? I think I think I'd take I think I'd take what both of them have said. Um, certainly, I'm obviously very relieved. Um, I'm not sure I'm not sure how much we deserved to be banned, but obviously, it is a great relief to come out the other side cleared. Okay, so obviously, I know we've still got to pay a fine, but we the big thing is playing in Europe, which obviously secure. I think for me. It makes me feel a lot more confident about the future of a lot of our best players. And I feel like it's it's going to be a psychological boost for the club going forward. But I totally agree with Nick about UEFA. I think what they've done, there has clearly been a witch hunt against, against not just us, clubs similar to us, who break up the, the old guard, if you like, that UEFA loves so much. And, and, and actually, but unlike Nick, I'm not angry. I'm delighted that they've been shown up by us now and, and long may it continue. Well, well, let's start with UEFA then, because cause Nick, let's come back to you. You, you, you call it a, a disgraceful vendetta. Um, so, so where, where, do, where does this leave UEFA? Because as you say, you know, you rightly say that uh, they really don't come out of this world, do they at all? Well, I guess UEFA, you know, people will. Other people may allege that they've they've been riddled with corruption and criminality for many, many years. Um, but, but the reality is that it, it was them who designed the Champions League and their entire European um, uh, pyramid, if you like, to encourage investment by billionaires and to encourage sponsorship from major global brands and to encourage global media organisations to spend their money to facilitate the... Uh, if you, you know, the 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 way that the game is paid for, which actually we've got to remember is by us. It's by our our TV subscriptions. When you pay your money to a Sky or to a to a BT Sport and to the various other companies involved, you know it's us that are paying for all of this. This this money isn't created out of nowhere. We're all paying for it, and to the you know to a large extent, we're all happy to do so because we like we like the product. But it's the way that that UEFA went about carving up the money and determining how that money would be distributed to a, a pretty s small number of the elite clubs that has created this whole system that has allowed um, billionaires and very large businesses um, to want to invest in the product because the returns are there. And that's the only reason that, 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 that they're in this game, you know? So if, if UEFA had set out to design a system that would more 
fairly and equally distribute the money that's being created across a far wider group of clubs, then they wouldn't have ended up with a situation where um, very, very large uh, amounts of money are invested and spent chasing the returns that they've made available. So I think we, you know, everyone's got to remember that it was UEFA that created this whole, this whole mess in the first place, um, encouraged it, and um, pursued it um, to, you know, w- and without doubt, with with great encouragement from the major European clubs who've been around and who've been at the top of the game for many many years, and our club was not one of those until fairly recently. Yeah, and they got very, very upset by the fact that not only our club, but one or two others as well, decided to actually break into this game to get a share of to get a share of the money. And, and can I come to you, Dave? I mean, it is a pretty dark day for you, Aver, isn't it? It is in many different ways. Um, I suppose you know, going against what I'm thinking and trying to be charitable to UEFA here. They do have to run quite a difficult line between the fact that there is always the threat, as we've seen come up on a number of occasions, that these larger clubs, which form the staple uh, showpiece event, which is, you know, the principal thing they have that justifies their existence for Champions League, you know, in, certainly in terms of club football. And you talk about, you know, the threat that they might leave and create something as a spin-off. And of course, you have to compete with that. They also need to have something that keeps things relatively interesting try and make sure that you know, clubs can't sort of overspend, et cetera, et cetera. And what they've come up with is a set of rules that are neither fish nor foul. They don't really encourage a fair pl- uh, playing field because if you come in with you know, much higher revenues than everyone else, if you're one of those clubs who you know, really is a global brand in the way of the Uniteds, the Liverpools, the Barcelonas, the Real Madrid, you stand in very good stead to do well under these rules. But in turn, you know, I think we're also going to see problems from the other side now that there's a lot of clubs who are looking like they're in pretty ropey financial positions. So FFP, in a lot of ways, has failed. They're going to claim it's been a success because it's brought down the overall level of debt across the complex. But I don't think this was, you know, a piece of litigation that should have been pursued. You know, there were so many things wrong with the case. And they found themselves in a position now where because they've pursued this piece of, you know, fairly frivolous, litigation they did the, the awful ruling against us you know a year or so ago they found themselves in a position where ffp is being questioned and it was entirely unnecessary that it had to come about you know from this lawsuit so there it's been some stupid decisions made along the way albeit they came from a difficult position but you know it is vindication and you know i'd also like to raise at this point it you know there's a nine million fine for our failure to comply with the investigation the next question UEFA are going to have to answer is, given some of the other fines they've given out for high-profile incidents, you know, in maybe five- and six-figure ranges for offences, which much more cut to the character of the game, I think there's going to be some questions asked about that as well. So there's a lot of questions that they need to answer about the character of their organisation. Well, I want to come on to the fine. If I can just, with you, Joe, deal with, with FFP first, and where you think it now leaves FFP. Well, I just think that... Um, I think it was it was doomed from the start, to be honest, because they claimed it was brought in to you know prevent another Portsmouth or Rangers situation. But it's been quite clear who their targets have been. You know, the likes of us and PSG, despite the fact that we have been you know we've been making a profit or breaking even for a long time now. I'm not sure what the exact statistics are. 
you know, we've made ourselves into a brand with the investment. You know, something like that wasn't going to happen to us. And and yet we're the clubs they've been gunning for. You know, they haven't been gunning for, you know, your lower down clubs who spend money that they don't really have. So I personally never thought it had much of a leg to stand on. And the fact that the first teams that they've gone for with these punishments, you know, the likes of City with this ban, the likes of Chelsea with the transfer ban, another club who basically, if you like, bought their way to success, but have made a brand out of it. It just shows what their priorities are. And it's so obvious as well, because they, you know, it's so obvious which teams they want to succeed and which teams want to fail. And obviously it's shown now, the main reason it's come out with us now is because we've won the last two titles and we're favourites for the Champions League this year. I just think it's been a disgrace what they've done. Uh, and Joe, just sticking with you for a second, but but you, some football fans from other clubs might say City haven't got got off at all. City are still guilty because you still got fined. You're at ten million or whatever it is. It's still not an insignificant sum of money, even if you are Manchester City. So you know we still got fined because we didn't cooperate. How would you respond to the accusation that actually we're still guilty, really deep down, which some people are still saying today? Well, I would respond to 99% of the people saying that that uh, they don't care about the act or know about the actual financial dealings. They're using it as a cheap dig. But I would also say that, you know, it, if we had been banned for two years, guilty or not, it would have been out of proportion with other punishments they've given out. I think that um, I think a two-year ban would have been, you know, ludicrous, and especially and, and quite ironic, really, because surely for you for it. The Champions League is the biggest money-making machine that they have. And we're probably one of the teams people would most want to watch at the moment, regardless of, you know, how we've done it. Nick, where, where do you stand, Nick? You know, we still got, we still got fined. We didn't cooperate. What, what's your view on that? Well, I think that yeah, they had I mean, to... Sorry, sorry, Nick, sorry. Nick, Nick. Sorry, Nick. Go on, mate. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, look, I, I, I'm not... Saying, I'm not suggesting that the the club are, are sort of ethically and morally, morally pure, nor that they've been entirely exonerated. Um, but the fact is that I think the first thing is that the the the, the, the fine of nine million is is a an insignificant and immaterial uh, punctuation mark on the page and irrelevant uh, as far as the economics are concerned. Um, yeah, who knows why they had to decide that, that there was some reason to to find some way to to punish the club, even though uh, by the sounds of it, the um, uh, the, 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 uh, the case made against us didn't stand up in any way whatsoever for a number of reasons. I don't know, but you know, I think it's also important to remember that this that that there aren't any there aren't any technicalities here. There aren't any uh, reasons for anybody to say, uh, you know, they, they got off because it was all too old or they got off because they, they didn't con- because they, because they didn't, uh, um, they didn't contribute to the investigation or provide the right information. That, that's, that's just, that's just not correct. The reason why, um, the charges didn't hold was because they were they were just not founded. Um, there was not enough evidence. 
And City said, of course, City said, of course, all along that they they they, they could cooperate no further because UEFA had been sent every single relevant document they sh- they could have. They they couldn't send them anything else. Is actually what City said. Uh, Dave, absolutely. Yeah, and coming to you, Dave. Now, in terms of the Premier League, because of course there is a chance, or there was a chance, of maybe the Premier League slapping some sort of punishment on City as well. I, I suspect with, with this verdict, that's going to go away, isn't it, I would have thought? I think there's multiple different levels that make this case look very unlikely to really get anywhere now. Firstly, Manchester City has sent out a very clear message that they will instruct very, very good lawyers to make sure that these, these um, cases are fought well from that side. So it's going to be it's not an easy win for the Premier League, and it does run the risk of some embarrassment. Also, uh, you know, the sort of financial fair play rules in place at the Premier League, certainly where it comes to the amount of permissible losses, are much more um, lenient than you see from UEFA. So, you know, I haven't read every detail of the Premier League FFP rules, but I definitely get the sense that, um, you know, if it's hard to prove on UEFA rules, it's going to be difficult to prove on Premier League ones as well. And as I understand it, some of the rules actually cascade down from the UEFA level. So I think that's going to be quite a difficult case to make. And, and you know, that was one which would be much harder to, um, to bring against Manchester City with a, the impact of a Champions League ban, which is what we were, of course, facing with UEFA. So to be honest, I think that one's going to be a bit of a non-event. And Joe, just kind of looking at the implications for City now in terms of a squad, in terms of the team, in terms of the management team, I mean, that, that's what excites me in particular as a fan. Uh, we've got some of the top players, there were rumours of the likes of Raheem Sterling and maybe Kevin De Bruyne uh, were kind of keeping their cards very close to their chest and, and not making any commitments. Presumably now, with top-flight football and, and the Champions League guaranteed, you'd like to think those, uh, those sort of players are going to be staying for a little while, wouldn't you? Well, I think that's that's a huge aspect of this that's made me so happy, but also, looking forward, you know, it's it's not been a, as good a season as we'd expect. It's clear that there are areas in the team where the playing staff needs to be improved. And you really feel like now we can go out and buy the players we need. You know, the players we've been linked with and the ones that you really think could make a difference in, you know, bringing us back to top next season. There was a real underlying feeling that us signing them was very dependent on this case because it's one thing saying that, you know, you can come and play for us with Pep Guardiola as your manager and you're going to play in the Champions League every year. But obviously if that had fallen through, some of our better players were leaving, possibly even Pep not staying, they wouldn't have wanted to come to us anymore. Because I think we've shown in the last few years it is more than just money that viewers players to City. It's the prospect of playing in Europe and playing under Pep Guardiola. And now both of those things look to be guaranteed. I feel like this transfer window will be a lot more successful than it would have been had this um, had UEFA won this case. Nick, can you, you see there being a bit of a spending spree now? In the, in the last few weeks, we've talked about some of the frailties. We know we probably need strengthening centre-backs, full-backs, uh, probably another striker. Yeah. Do we need to replace Leroy Sane? You know, the list goes on, if you like. Can you see there being a bit of a spending spree now, filling our boots and, 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 and a really exciting time coming? coming, or, or not? Do you think it's more a case of being a bit more pragmatic, a bit more sensible, and maybe giving some of the youngsters a chance? What do you think is going to happen as a result of this? Well, it's a little bit of a combination, I think. But what, whichever way it goes, I think there certainly needs to be quite a bit of a of, of a refresh. 
um, for a number of reasons. I think the the the, the, the there's been a bit of a of a black cloud hanging over the club for the past year or so with this UEFA um, case. Uh, you know, we spent a fair amount of money last year in the summer, uh, but on some relatively uninspiring, one might say, unexciting players. Uh, there wasn't anybody really setting the world on fire in terms of in terms of who we we brought in. Um, I'd like to see, you know, just I, I think like like most of us, you know, I would really like to see the likes of uh, the uh, the uh, uh, the Fodens and one or two other youngsters youngsters come through and really become one of the first names on the team sheet next year, regardless of who we buy. I think that's really important for the club, actually, even you know to the extent that it's almost pretty much on a, as as important as the results on the pitch and uh, what we win or what we don't win. I think that's really important because it, it's part of the the longer term. Uh, nature and the fabric and uh, 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 the culture of the club that you that you get the you get the young kids like uh, Phil Foden coming into the team, becoming an integral part of the team, you know, as opposed to perhaps you know one might say some slightly more anonymous uh, European uh, guys who sort of roll in, roll out every couple of years and you know don't necessarily make a long term mark on on the club. So I think that's really important. But do we need some uh, new blood and do we need some big names? Yeah, I think we do. Um, A, because we've got, as we know, we've got you know, you know, a few journeymen players, I think, uh, slightly critically you could describe them as, but they need, that, that need replacing. Uh, but also the way that Pep uh, plays is very, very high intensity. It takes a lot out of players, I think. And it's, you know, it's pretty programmed. It's in in some ways fantastic, though it is. It's slightly slightly monotonous, and I can I can well imagine. And there's been lots of players who've played from over the years who kind of you know afterwards have said that was really bloody tough. And actually, I couldn't take it anymore. I wanted to get out of there. And you know, I don't think that's a criticism of of Pep, but that's just the way that it is. And so you need to get new blood into the squad. And you need to move some players on on a pretty regular basis. So I think we really need to do that now. Uh, and Dave, your thoughts? What, what excites you most? The fact that the the top players, the De Bruyne's and the Sterlings, are likely to stay, or the prospect of a bit of a spending spree and some new talent coming in? I think there's kind of two sides to this. Of course, I'm delighted to hear that we are going to be keeping, you know, the sort of um, the players who have been you know, representing everything of us of our best this year. So, you know, De Bruyne, Sterling, these sort of players, you know, it's, you know, you do not want to be losing those as a club. But also, if we start to look at the transfer targets that have been mooted, what's really pleasing me to see is there's a sense that actually now it's not going to be quite in the same mould of maybe a, you know, player who's just about to break into the very top bracket at about, you know, somewhere between 22, 23, 24. There's some more experienced names as well. And sort of maybe bringing back to a little bit what Nick said about the journeyman player, we've been very lucky as a club that we've not really been um, experiencing journeyman players in the same way as the others because we've had such remarkable longevity of players. And generally speaking, you know, I've had a lot of players who we've been able to hold on to for a very long time. 
you know, the, the Sane departure, for example, probably marks one of the very first times we've lost a player before we wanted to necessarily see them go. And I think, you know, we're, we're at a point now where Pep is looking at players who can come in and give more experience to supplement some of the younger talents coming through. And I think that's going to be key because at the moment we are delighted to see Foden, Garcia, these sort of players, you know, coming in and making an impact. But you can't rely on that across the season. There's going to need to be some leadership to come in to replace, you know, Vincent Company, David Silva, players who have seen it all, done it all, and been key leaders in the squad. And we were very lucky to have lots of leaders in the past. We're struggling a bit with that now. And there's a few players who are being linked who I think will give, that, give us that bit extra. We've got a very exciting squad. We need to strengthen that with disciplined, regimented professionals who can come in, do their jobs well, and you know, create the environment in which we're creating these wonderful chances, but we're not having these mistakes or defensive lapses or failure to take chances that have been sort of plaguing us at our worst this season. So let, let's pick up on that, and, and they'll all be playing for a bloke, a bloke called Pep Guardiola, whose contract, of course, does come up, uh, I think, summer next year, 2021. Uh, his track record is not necessarily hanging around for much more than five years. People are talking about if we'd lost this, we could well have lost him sooner. Uh, your thoughts on Pep? Does this potentially give us a little bit of an opportunity to maybe even extend his contract? What, what, what thoughts, Joe, do you have on that? Is he is he going to go at the end of the summer, or do you think actually this might just give him the boost and the knowing that UEFA might just go away and FFP is not the, the, the sort of force it was? Your thoughts on Pep and his future at City, Joe? Well, I think he's going to stay at least for a little while longer. Um, like I said earlier, this. This has really brought a good feel-good factor to the club, I'm sure. Mm. So I think he'll want to be around for that. And obviously, it, it could be the boost psychologically we need to make more history. I think he will want to be a part of that. I think, I think now the positive is he's more likely to leave when he does leave, whatever that is. I feel like it's more likely to be on a, I've done everything I can here. I want to, I've le- I'm leaving on a great note than a you know, what's happened is terrible. I'm, I've got to get out for the sake of my career. And I think we're, at the very least, we're likely to see him leave on good terms. At the best, I think we could see him extend his contract because as well, unlike perhaps unlike last summer, I feel like he is going to be allowed to spend the money that he wants and get the players that he wants. Because it was, I, I'm not sure what went on behind the scenes, but I really did get the feeling that he didn't get to get everyone in that he wanted or we wouldn't have, you know, we wouldn't have had to play with the defence we have at times this season. Nick, Nick your thoughts of uh, your th- your thoughts of Pep and his future? You think he's? Is it all about winning the Champions League? I think that's a factor as well. If if we win it this year or next year, might that be tick that box? I've done everything I possibly can. You know, we've had the formidables, we've had the Centurions, we've won the Champions League. I can go up, out on a high, or do you think he'll he'll stay for a few years? What, what's your view? Yeah, I mean, it's it's an interesting one because because it's really not your common or garden relationship between a manager and a club now. Um, you know, he's got his uh, he's got his his guys in the boardroom who came before him from uh, from his time at Barcelona. Um, he's also very much intertwined with uh, the wider uh, City Football Group. Um, and their investments in various other clubs in one way or another. Um, and you get the feeling that that's all been sort of designed between Pep and the, and the, uh, 
uh, and the owners um, to create more of a long-term plan for his involvement with the wider group. Now, that might not necessarily mean that he stays as manager of our club, um, you know, for a, few, a, a, a significantly uh, longer time. But I suspect that he'll be he'll be involved with the group for a for, for a longer period. Um, it would make sense if he were to win the Champions League in the next year or two for that to be the moment to say, "I've done everything. What more can I do? Go out on a high." Um, but I guess it comes down to you know other other things as well personal circumstances does he want to does he want to live in the area uh for an extended amount of time he's obviously got he's got a family he's got kids at school he's got kids at school in the area you know those things are important particularly to and unfortunately i'm not in the same <laughs> in the same situation but you know when you've got all the money that you're ever going to need um it, it's not about whether you're going to get paid more or or whatever at somewhere else um, it's whether you're enjoying yourself, whether your family is settled, and whether you actually want to move. Um, so there's lots of there's lots of uh, different factors to it. But I certainly agree with with the the, uh, the guys. You know, w- w- what is good is that he's very likely to go out. You know, if, if and when he does, he'll go out on a high. He will he will do what what he what he what he needs to do for himself. And I suspect that it will be engineered in the right way to be the right mm-hmm. time for the club. Um, so it's all pretty positive, but, but actually, you know, I guess that if there's going to be an extension to his contract, it's got to happen pretty quickly and everyone's going to know, you know, once this immediate, uh, reaction to this ruling dies down, it's, it's going to be a very, very short time indeed before people start saying, or the media start saying, you know, is Pep leaving? When's he going to extend his contract? Is he going to extend his contract? And if he doesn't, then that's going to be an ongoing story uh, that's just never going to go away until you know he, either he goes or he stays. Well, all right. So, so one one final word on Pep then. From from obviously Nick Goldstone doesn't have all the money he needs to a man who we know has got more money than he needs, uh, and, and that's Dave Hodgson. So, so Dave, uh, money money bags Hodgson. Your, your your view finally on, on Pep and his future. I wish, Nigel, I wish. So um, I think on um, on Pep, I suppose two sort of thoughts here. Number one, I'd actually say that almost the imperative for Pep to win the Champions League is as strong as it is for Manchester City. Because Guardiola has you know, last won the Champions League in 2011 with Barcelona. Um, he has had, you know, he, he's won it twice there, but, you know, he didn't win it at Bayern Munich. He struggled to win it at Manchester, at Manchester City so far. And I think this is where um, this gets quite interesting because I think in the last sort of 10, 11 years, you know, off the top of my head, I can only remember Bayern Munich and Inter Milan winning the Champions League outside of English and Spanish teams. So this becomes, you know, it's, it's you know, you can maybe argue it's harder to do it in, you know, by uh, Bayern Munich, where they you know, they win the Bundesliga every year, and all of a sudden they have to find this extra level for the Champions League, where they're playing the best teams, you know, in 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 better leagues. Whereas you know you don't get that excuse in England. Manchester City have been dominant in England. You know, the Premier League has turned out a good number of um, Champions League winners in recent years, and you know Guardiola should be doing that if he wants to put himself in the echelon of the truly great managers. And you know he wants to be up there with the best of all time, 
he needs to prove that. The other thing I think, you know, coming back more to practicalities of the question of Pep's successor, if he was wanting to leave sooner rather than later, I don't necessarily think that um, the departure of Arteta in the way it happened was in the sort of planning of the club. It was, you know, maybe perhaps unforeseeable that he was going to find a club of the stature of Arsenal that would come along in the way that um, they have at the time they did. And, you know, perhaps, you know, Pep would have been more likely to leave at the end of next season if the Arteta plan was in place. But, you know, that's been rather jeopardised again now. So I think, you know, the club will want to do absolutely everything to keep Pep on as long as possible so they can build a solid transition plan for when he eventually moves out, just in the fashion they did at Barcelona. So I think, you know, um, Guardiola's still got a fair to prove for himself at Manchester City and the circumstances for Manchester City are such that we really did not want to lose him. Now, if we hadn't had Champions League for two years, it could be a very different story. It could have been that... Manchester City was no longer neatly aligned to what Guardiola wanted to do in his career. But I think, you know, this ruling has really lifted a burden there. And hopefully we can look forward to at least, a, a, you know, another couple of years under the best manager we've ever seen. Fantastic. Listen, what we're going to do, we're going to take a quick break. And after that, we'll talk about the last couple of games, the rest of the season and uh, the Champions League to look forward to. And we'll be straight back after this. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. Welcome back. Let's talk about the last couple of games and the fact that we've really come out of the blocks since lockdown has been lifted and the last two games have just been we've played some sensational football um it's really been absolutely tremendous to watch um your, your thoughts joe uh, on on the last couple of games city scoring at will raheem sterling hat trick so much to enjoy and to celebrate well i think that's absolutely right obviously there's going to be a lot of the usual negativity around the club with the whole oh, well, it's all very well doing it now and you haven't done it when it matters. But I, I don't agree. I think we've been absolutely fantastic the last couple of games. I think that a lot of players have really stood up and given us lots of cause to be optimistic. Obviously, Sterling, you touched upon, he's been absolutely outstanding since the lockdown. He's really found his form again. And obviously, another hat-trick at the weekend for someone who allegedly can't finish is, is outstanding. Yeah, I think they were both games where you could argue it was better against boys, especially in the Newcastle game. I thought, thought Newcastle were really very poor, which obviously allowed us to play the football we wanted. But you know what? You can only beat what's in front of you. And, and the thing is as well that everyone seems to forget is we're showing this form and we've got in the next month, we have got so much to play for just because we haven't won the Premier League. You know, we've got the FA Cup semi-final on Saturday. Um, you know, win that, we're in the final. You, you'd back us. I think you'd have us as favourites to win the FA Cup this season. 
And obviously, you can't ever turn your nose up at a trophy like that. And we've got the Champions League, which obviously we st- we have still got to get past Madrid. Um, that I still think that ties up not as far from over. But again, we need to make a statement. And I think that this UEFA um, court case today will be a tonic for that because they'll, um, you know, they'll want to. Not only will they have won the court case, they want to take it even further into sticking it to UEFA. So I think there's a good chance that this form is coming at the right time in terms of going forward in the Champions League as well. Nick, what pleased you most about the kind of the two five nil victories, sort of Newcastle and Brighton? Uh, I well, I thought I thought Raheem was great the other night. Um, what pleased me most? Uh, God, I mean, as they go, as as five nil victories go, they were they were pretty straightforward. You know, there was not a, there was barely a a single moment across those two games where there was any doubt whatsoever that both of those teams were going to get, get an absolute thrashing. Um, so, you know, there was, there was a very significant level of pleasure in watching uh, uh, City dismantle both of those teams, but frankly, there really wasn't much competition in them. Enjoyed it, Dave? Yeah, I mean, I have to say, I think coming into post-lockdown football, I expected us to have something of a competitive advantage on the basis that we are a side who almost base our style of play around tiring out an opposition and, you know, sort of, you know, um, you know our possession will eventually sort of force them to submit. I think the fact that we played, um, you, know, that, you know, in this environment where fitness for other teams is a bit more questionable, we, you know, stood to be in a very good position. And these two games have been exactly that. We are able to really exploit perhaps some of the rustiness and, you know, just lower levels of fitness that we're seeing from some of these um, these teams, particularly those, you know, that maybe haven't, uh, you know, maybe haven't sort of kept themselves quite as well, maybe had a little less to play for. I suppose that's less true in, true in Brighton's case. But, you know, we, we've been playing well. The style of, you know, the football is, is you know as we've as we've come to expect it, and as, again because we've kind of got a little bit uh, less pressure on us in the Premier League now, much you know we've got our place sewn up, you know et cetera, et cetera, We can experiment a little bit more, and it's been great to see Pep be able to come in and use those young players in more integral roles. So I think that's part of the joy for me. The results almost don't matter at this point, but we're getting to try stuff. We're getting to try players who we uh, want to see push on in new roles, and that for me has been the real joy of it. Uh, and looking forward, Dave, just sticking with you for a moment, uh, to the rest of the season. So now how excited are you? Uh, Joe's already mentioned we've got an FA Cup final, uh, an FA Cup semi-final, forgive me, uh, coming up at the weekend. Uh, and, you, and you look at the remaining fixtures and sort of Watford and, and Norwich and so on, and, and Bournemouth, of course, coming up uh, on Wednesday night. But what are you excited about? This, this For me, this... This result uh, and the band being lifted could give us huge momentum, a, a huge morale boost, a huge shot in the arm, whatever you want to call it. And I just think that if we can continue that momentum in the league, sort of go through, win the FA Cup and potentially just win the Champions League. I can just see a huge momentum building here. Is that, is that how you feel it could go as well? I mean, I'm quite, I'm quite glad about the fact that I don't actually have to you know, go to Wembley for the semi-final because I've been uh, against it being there for a very long time. But I think, you know, the FA Cup, it's a little harder to be excited about without the sort of the fan-created moments around that. You know, the FA Cup being a competition that so lives in the sort of, you know, the, the esprit that you get from 
you know, every, you know, the, the, the fan occasion of the thing. I think it's a shame to um, that you know almost that's gone ahead. The Champions League is going to be interesting. It's going to be um, you know as good an opportunity as we've got. You know, we've certainly come in come in some criticism that we are not very good in a two-legged tie. Um, you know, further from the quarterfinal onwards, assuming we get past Real Madrid, that problem goes away. You know, we are um, we've played a good amount of football now, so we should hopefully be pushing um, to be in decent fitness for it. So I'm kind of excited about that most of all. I think that's the that's the bit of the season I'm really looking forward to, and also the transfer market. I think that's going to be really telling of you know what sort of team we're going to be seeing over the next couple of seasons as well. The rest of the season for you, Joe. How does it how does it look to you? Like I say, I'm optimistic. I think um, too many people have kind of forgotten about what we've still got to play for. And almost consider this season a write-off. But I'm up. You know, for me, this is where it starts to get exciting again. Um, you know, it was. It is sometimes hard to get excited about certain games when, especially when we're not allowed to be there and there's no fans. But you know, how, we're in another FA Cup semi-final, and we're and we've got a decent chance of progressing in the Champions League. And like Dave said, we don't have the whole two-legged affair hanging over us. No, I think there's plenty to be optimistic about. I mean, of course, with the Champions League, there's an element of we'd have all loved to be there when we first win it. But in terms of sentimentality aside, the club needs to win that trophy. And I think this is such a good chance to do so, especially with the momentum that we can gain from today's news. Nick, let's uh, leave the final word with you then, Nick, about uh, the rest of the season. Oh, I get the final word. Well, okay. Well, let's not forget that that if we are able to uh, progress past Arsenal in the FA Cup final, then there is the spine-tingling chance that we might be facing Manchester United in the final of the FA Cup at Wembley in an empty stadium, which would be both bizarre, incredible and amazing all at the same time. Uh, But obviously it would be a, a first and it would be quite special in a lot of ways despite uh, the current situation so that would be really exciting Uh, and I love the FA Cup anyway so um, I certainly want to win that Um, the league obviously is a bit of an irrelevance we're going to finish second we've known that for several months but it's pretty much mathematically confirmed now anyway Um, and let's face it as far as the Champions League is concerned if we don't progress I would say almost, you know, to the final, uh, people are going to um, think that uh, this campaign has been a little bit of a failure, rightly or wrongly, regardless of what we do elsewhere. Um, And um, I think that if it does anything, this ruling today uh, for City and against UEFA, I think you're right, it does And it should give the team and the club a huge uh, shot in the arm as far as the Champions League is concerned. Because, frankly, it would be an absolutely phenomenal, phenomenal uh, uh, act and situation and result for us to go and win that that, uh, tournament now this year, the Champions League. Um, It would just be... Fantastic. It would be an absolute embarrassment and humiliation for UEFA and it would be fantastic for City. So I hope they do go go ahead and do that. 
Uh, I hope at least that they make the final. Uh, I think we need to do that. I think we've got the momentum with this decision today to go away and do it. And I think it would be a great shame if um, we didn't manage to really make a great uh, uh, fist of the, of the rest of that, of that, that tournament now, um, given what's happened this year. Well, well, huge thanks to my three guests, to Dave Hodgson, to Nick Goldstone and to Joe Doherty. This is a dark, dark day for UEFA, but it's a good day for football, a good day for common sense and a brilliant day for Manchester City. This is Nigel Rothman saying thanks for listening and we'll talk to you all very soon. Wasn't that a great podcast? Now, if you've got 90 seconds spare in your day, come and listen to ours. It's called What Has He Said Now? and is available wherever you've got this podcast. You're going to lose a number of people to the flu. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit Playback Media. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.